Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. This week, we are talking about Daughter of Smoke and Bone by Lainey Taylor. Um, I'm going to start with our characters and Marissa will do our plot. So our main character is Kairou. She is 17 years old and an artist living in Prague. She has lots of tattoos and bright blue hair. She was raised by several chimera and she is unsure of who her parents are. She struggles with feelings of emptiness. She's kept busy by the chimera who um, is her father figure. His name's Brimstone. He often sends her on errands where she has to collect teeth. We have Kazimer, um, Kairu's ex-boyfriend. He's very attractive, but he cheated on her. And of course he still claims to love her and wants to be with her. So he tries to get back with her quite often. We have Zuzana. This is Kairu's best friend. She's also an artist who specializes in puppetry and is very short. She's been given the nickname of Rabid Fairy because of her stature and how spirited she can be defending herself and her friends. She is in love with a violinist named Mick. Karu was raised by several Chimera, including Isa, who uh, she's a woman on top and a serpent below. There's also Twyga, who's humanoid but has a giraffe neck, and Yazri, who has a parrot beak, as well as Kismish, who is a bird-like creature. And then there's Brimstone, who has ram's horn. Brimstone is basically the leader, and he deals in wishes and teeth, which earned him the nickname Wishmonger. Then we have Akiva. He is the main male lead who becomes Kairu's love interest. He is a warrior angel, or seraph. Um, He is gorgeous with golden eyes. His hands are tattooed with black lines, each one symbolizing a chimera he has killed. Seraphim and Chimera are enemies and have been at war for centuries. He's still mourning his great love, Madrigal. He has two friends, Hazel and Liraz, who are also Seraphim. We have several locations. So mainly Prague, I guess, is going to be the main location where um, Kairu is currently living. They also, there's Elsewhere, which is sort of... um, Brimstone's house where there are different doors that open up to different places and Kairu has dubbed it elsewhere. Then there is the caged city of the Chimera, Loramendi. And yeah, those are our main locations and main characters. Marissa, would you like to pick up with our plot? Why, yes. So our story opens with Kairu on her way to art school when she's confronted by her ex, Kaz, who pleads with her to forgive him for cheating on her. She declines and moves along, though he continues to follow her, and he later shows up looking rather smug as a nude model for her art class in a ridiculous attempt to get her back. Karu is fed up, and so she uses a tiny bit of magic to bombard him with itches and awkward places until he flees. Pleased with herself, she makes her way to her favorite restaurant with her friend, Susanna, when she is summoned by Brimstone, her sort of boss and the creature who helped raise her, 
with the other chimera, Issa, Yasri, and Twiga. Karu runs errands for Brimstone, which usually involves collecting teeth of various sizes for him, which he then uses to create magic and wishes. The door to his business functions like a portal that spits Karu out all over the world, and usually Karu performs these tasks one to two times a week, but recently Brimstone has had Karu out every night. Between school and her errands, Karoo is spread thin, and something strange is happening to the portal doors. Dark, burned handprints are appearing on the doors all over the world. One night, Karoo is tasked with retrieving teeth from a collector. His name is Izil in Marrakesh. Izil used to be handsome and intelligent, but he made a bargain with Brimstone for more knowledge, and with that, he ended up carrying Razgut an angel who has been cast out, brutalized, and resides invisibly on Izil's back. The weight of knowledge and Razgut has caused Izil's body and mind to deteriorate, but he still collects teeth for brimstone. Karu finds Izil and barters for the teeth that he has collected, but Akiva, one of the seraphim who has been leaving the dark marks on brimstone stores, finds them. The Chimera, like Brimstone, and the Seraphim are on opposing sides of a long, long war against each other. And so Akiva sees that Karu is collecting teeth for Brimstone, names her an enemy, and he attacks her. She is injured, but fights back, desperate to reach the portal door and escape the angel. Akiva is stunned by her. She injures him, and he does not immediately kill her, which gives her enough time to get back to the Brimstone shop. But she's very injured and passes out. And so Brimstone is not in his shop, but Issa tends to Karu. When Karu wakes, it's to Issa and Yasri's whispers. Brimstone is still gone, and Karu, who has been given no information about where Brimstone disappears to regularly, or her own parentage, or really anything about her life, is very curious, and so she quietly sneaks through the door that she has never been allowed entry into, and walks into a new world, in what seems to be a castle, in a city surrounded by a large cage. In its basement, appears to be dead bodies laid on stone tables, but when Karu sneaks up to inspect them, the body of a chimera, who appears to be part wolf, wakes and grabs her. She's unable to fight back, screams, and is secured by Brimstone, who is furious and roughly shuffles her back into his shop in Prague, leaving her injured barefoot in the wintry city. Karu's in really bad shape, but she's able to make her way back to her apartment. Her friend Tutsana checks on her and helps take care of her, but while doing so, Kishmish, Brimstone's messenger, appears on Karu's balcony on fire and delivers to Karu the wishbone that Brimstone has worn as a necklace for Karu's entire life. Kishmish dies, and Karu rush rushes out to find that Brimstone's building is engulfed in flames. This begins Karu's desperate journey for answers. She seeks out people who bartered with Brimstone and takes their wishes, giving herself the ability to fly. She has a plan to use Razgat, the fallen angel, to get to a portal that will take her to the caged city where she can be reunited with her Chimera family. However, Akiva, the seraphim, has found her in Prague. 
He confronts her one night, and though he does not intend to harm her, Karu is threatened. She realizes that the Hamsas or the eye tattoos on her hands will cause him harm, and she is able to disable him. However, she also feels kind of bad for him, and so she escorts him to her apartment and hopes that he can explain some things. And he does explain some things, but the circumstances are still very vague. All they know is that they are both inexplicably drawn to each other. And the reason for it dawns on Akiva when he sees Karu's wishbone necklace. While they're out the next day, they're confronted by two seraphim who are Akiva's siblings and who realize that Karu is a chimera, though she does not realize it herself, and they try to kill her. Akiva confronts them, protecting Karu, giving her the chance to fly to Marrakesh and promises to meet her there. He arrives three days later and explains that there are some things she must understand about herself and to do that, they must break the wishbone. Breaking the wishbone causes like a time warp effect where Karu's consciousness in the present melds with what happened with her in her first life before she became Karu, when she was magical, a chimera who saved Akiva on a battlefield. After he healed from being injured on that battlefield, he found her at a festival, swept her away for, from a potential marriage to the Chimera General Thiago, and began a love affair with her in secret. They hoped to change things between their people, to stop the war, and also to find peace and harmony between their people. However, they were betrayed. Madrigal was beheaded for treason, and Akiva, drowning in grief and rage, began his pursuit for vengeance. Karu comes back into present and realizes who Akiva is to her and is thrilled at their reunion. But Akiva's response is tempered by sorrow for he has done something that will cause Karu enormous heartache. Akiva, what have you done? Spoilers abound. So All right, this was the first read for both of us and one of our yes. listeners recommended this one to us. So here you go. This is for you. <laughs> um I've seen so this book has been recommended to me by Amazon for a long time it keeps popping up and things that I might like and the cover art is captivating like it is very very visually appealing to me yes I agree it's also one that showed up a bunch on my um recommended and yeah it always catches the eye it's beautiful it is a beautiful cover yeah, it's just very striking. There's the dark background, but also the almost, what is, is it like neon or yes. like, it looks like it's under a black light when you're looking at the cover. Mm -hmm. It just, oh, it strikes so well. I love the blue hair. I love the Hamsas on her, like the way that that's done on her hands. It just draws you in. It makes you want to investigate the book. And this is not the original cover for this book. I caught like a really small glimpse of what they used to look like. And this one is definitely from my, from my opinion, the more visually enticing one. I haven't seen the other ones, but yeah, this is very much good that they went with this one because it's eye-catching. Yeah, so. definitely. So I was terrified. I started reading this book before you and I got not very far into it and started thinking, oh crap, this is a reincarnation <laughs> book. Vicky's going to be so upset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I did not tell you because 
I was afraid <laughs> that you would go into it with a negative opinion opinion already formed. <laughs> no, it's okay. I caught on pretty quickly. Like the second she was like, I feel like there's something missing. There's like, I'm not whole. And I was like, crap. <laughs> yeah. And then Akiva showed up and was like, and I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> yeah, she started having that moment where she's like superimposing images from the past and the present. And like, okay, this is. Oh, that's where you know, I got it. Situation. He was like, oh, she like reminded him of someone, you know, like, and started like her face started replacing um, mad- Madrigal's. Madrigal. Madrigal's face, like in his visions. He's like, I can't remember her face. And I was like, uh huh. Yeah, okay yeah yeah so um I feel like every time there's a reincarnation book it's the woman that dies it always is I don't think I've ever I mean as you try to avoid reincarnation books but um yeah I don't think I've ever read one I have not I would like an equal opportunity death here please stop killing the female characters kill the man let him be the one that gets reincarnated. <laughs> I feel like the problem with that, though, is that, like, the woman might, like, recover better from the man's death. <laughs> the woman moves on. Oh, it's yeah. too late. Sorry. I, I can't hear you. <laughs> like, I kind of get that. I don't know why, but I feel like that might be why. Because, like, the men, like, mope forever. Pine. And just, yeah, they, they pine. For decades. Yeah. And so the woman's like, like well guess I'll just move on now <laughs> yep like I need somebody to provide for me because that's normally yeah. the time period these are set in I feel like mm-hmm. so yeah no nope. oh so- there was a book well you know no I think it was more like a husband comes back from the dead like or like comes back from the sea and thinking he was dead or something and the woman had remarried Odysseus is that what this is Maybe. No, his wife hadn't remarried. She just had a house full of suitors. Yeah. Yeah, there was something where like she got remarried and then she had to make a choice. I didn't actually read the book. That was just the the description. But anyway. Is this what happens on Castaway? Are you thinking of Castaway? No, I'm not thinking the movie. Are you asking about the movie Castaway? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I saw once. Like decades Wilson. ago <laughs> no I am not thinking there is some book out there where like the woman remarries hitting me so hard and right I don't know if he comes back from the sea he might just be coming back from a war or like I don't know falling off a cliff I don't know I don't know it was just it was a thing I read the description and passed and moved on they must have had a striking man on the cover for why I picked it or maybe not even a face. Maybe it was just a chest. I don't know. Something. Was it, a, was it a volleyball? Oh. <laughs> With a face on it? That would definitely not. <laughs> I would have been like, mm, no, thinking it was like a volleyball sports romance. <laughs> Do such things exist? I mean, probably. There's like. I've never seen that. I don't need to know about it. I don't need to be (laughs) any more interested in sports because of romance novels. We're already on the hockey thing. (laughs) And it's only, Uh if it's a sports romance, it is only hockey that I'm interested in. I've tried soccer. I've tried football. I don't, I don't want it. 
hockey what about or rugby? bus? I mean, I, I, okay. Rugby. I will, I've read four of those. It was part of a series, but that's it. The rest of them. Hockey. Hockey. It's the aggression. Maybe it's all the references to sticks mm. and pucks. Yeah. yeah maybe it's pucks. that puck rhymes with something else. Maybe so. There's just so much in you and in you window <laughs> to be had. I mean, with soccer, all you can make jokes about is balls and goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so reincarnation, I was afraid you were going to hate this one. I do kind of like that it ends up a little bit different than, so I feel like in a lot of the reincarnation stories, the woman's like, oh, we've been, re- I've been reincarnated. I love you together forever at the end. And in this one, it's kind of different because the male main character is like, oh no. I love you, but I effed up and they don't end up together at the end. Karu's like, mm, boy, bye. So yes, now kind of different. I did read a reincarnation story that I liked it was the Memento Mori series by Catherine Kingsley. Uh, she's the one who wrote the Unseely Prince series mm-hmm. too, right? But the difference with that was that the person knew that she was being reincarnated and the only thing that she remembered were like her deaths and she died in like all these horrible ways so she would be like "Mm, uh but she wanted to get her memories back so that's what the book was focused on it wasn't like surprise we're in love because you're secretly like no like she worked with the person that like she had been with anyway I mean, they didn't jump straight into love and happily ever after, which I feel like is the thing that you really take issue with because it's like they're cheating out on the romance, right? Well, they did jump straight into love. But they didn't stay together. She That's true. Yes, that's true. But they had like a conversation. That's what I really like. I like that he is experiencing some emotional turmoil. (laughs) Well, I read a little bit of what happens in the next two books. And apparently it sounds like in the next book, they're apart, like for the whole book. And it's like both of them feeling guilty and like pining away and stuff. So we'll see how it is. Pining. It is young adult. So it might be. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Speaking of that, this is a young adult book. And this is the first time I remember enjoying a young adult book since reading Throne of Glass which the first few books in that series, I think probably qualify as more young adult. At some point it becomes more new adult because we have sexy times. I enjoyed reading this book. I I enjoyed the way that it was written. I feel like the style, the cadence of the storytelling was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the way that she put words together too was really nice too. It reminded me a little bit of Erin Morgenstern. She wrote The Starless Sea and she wrote The Night Circus. And just the way, I mean- the way that she puts words together is beautiful. They don't have to make any sense at all. Like I, I really love the night circus. The starless sea was not as much my favorite, but like just reading the way that she strings words together is beautiful. And I got that same vibe from this one too. The way that she puts words together is very enjoyable to read. Yes, I agree. I got that vibe from it too. It's like her writing style. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of flowy. It flows. I don't think that's a word. It flows. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I agree. I have the same feeling though. It flows really well. Um, It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't feel like we're rushing into pieces of the story. She just, 
she has assembled her story very nicely. Mm-hmm. Like it felt yummy in my brain to read this book. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know. I feel like that's a weird description, but I, there are some authors that when I read like uh, the shadow and bone books, books, for example, um, why I did not like them the oh. way that the words were put together in that story. I kept having to put the book down and come back to it. And we read all of them too. Yeah. I mean, we stuck it out. Didn't like them. It wasn't yummy in my brain. The darkling was done dirty. If you're wondering why we haven't talked about those books, it's because we didn't enjoy them. So (laughs) there you go. Um, We were hoping that uh, evil wouldn't at the end of the day. And that's not something that's ever happened to me before when reading a book. So there you go. Um, let's see. So we, we have a female character again. So these books are written like 10 years ago. We have are they that old? Yeah. First oh. one came, it was like 2011, 2012, 2014 is when they were released. I didn't realize that. Yeah. These are old books. Old old 10 years so 10 old. Years old yes these are old book I'm, life they're not new books right they've right. been out for a while and so we have a female character who's ba- basically an adolescent she's 17 years old and a male main character who's older only like 50 years older but still um usually they're like 900 years older yeah yeah. <laughs> so True. this one's only 50 That's... but you know what's weird is that like 50 felt more inappropriate than like 900 <laughs> when I was reading it because I was like but that's so like they're still kind of like it's not close in age but like it's I don't know I was like oh he's 50 I was expecting him to be like 200 years old yeah I don't know I didn't I didn't feel as weird about that as I did the 900 year old. I don't know. I felt weirder. To be honest, I felt weirder about her being with this guy who was 20 than I did with this guy who's 50 years older. I don't know. Um, she's 17, living alone, providing for herself. Um, she has the first time she has sex, it's with Kaz, her ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. who's 20. So she's 17 and she's 20. And at what age do we start deciding like, being with someone older than you is creepy versus okay. I guess 18, right? But in my head, it's actually once in my brain, I always think it's once out of their teens, like their teenage years. So like 20, 21, I feel like that's when like, okay, you know? Mm -hmm. So I have like, I don't have problems, but like when I read age gaps where the character is like newly 18 or it's like 18, 19, I'm like, ah, so, so young. It is. So when I just think about, I, I mean, I think about how I was when I was 17 or 18 and it, it was a very cringy time. Mm -hmm. I was, I made bad decisions. Then I also know like some people who have been basically providing for themselves and self-sufficient since they were like 16, 17. And so when, and that's the situation that I see Karu in at this point, because she lives alone. She provides for herself. She takes care of herself. And so I don't, I don't know. It feels like the circumstances are different because of that. Well, but while she does do those things, like her emotional maturity level, where is she at really? Cause when you think about it, you know, she wants to go stay with 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but like, you know, Brimstone and the people who raised her Mm -hmm. and everything, you know, so there's still that like youngness, I guess, to her, you know, I don't want to say necessarily immaturity or naivete or anything like that, but there's still, there's still that like wanting to be with your family sort of thing and relying on them for like, like, I mean, there's, and I think that can be related more to, I mean, just the way that she was raised. So basically without like a whole lot of nurturing and support, it could just be that like with the little that she got from those people, that's who she wants to be with. And I'm sure that they did the best that they could with the circumstances that they had, but some of that could just be, Oh, and she mentions this a few few times loneliness. She's lonely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons, um, she was with, um Kaz yeah because he saw her mm-hmm. although he really more saw her for how she could be interesting to him and how he could use her still it was something mm-hmm. and it was more than what she was getting when she is sometimes summoned by the people that and that's that's part of that too Kaz was a dirtbag I couldn't stand mm-hmm. him it starts out, he like jumps out at her and starts biting her neck. And it's like, this is a weird flex, man. Like, why is this your thing? It's not, no wonder she broke up with you. You're weird. <laughs> Who does this? Um, gosh, I couldn't stand him though. He's such a dirtbag. He cheated on her, begs her to come back, and then shows up in her art class as a nude model, thinking he's like a big deal. He's got a big old k tattooed across his heart i love that her tattoo went away yes that was great yeah so i like the concept of the magic that's introduced in this story uh it's different i feel like from how magic is typically worked in the other books that involve like the fae or a bunch of the other characters that i read so uh she introduces the idea of magic being related to teeth and sacrifice and pain so the price Mm -hmm. you pay for magic and for wishes is pain it's got to hurt and teeth are you which is a weird it's troubling but teeth are the thing that are used um for value um i wish so i I do think it's interesting different size teeth and different i guess like the value or the integrity of the teeth is going to have a different translation into value for wishes and we find out later that that plus gemstones and other stuff is used to uh, resurrect the chimera um i i wish that the cost of magic had been explained to karu sooner she is really not given a whole lot of information by the people who raised her about the life that she lives and where magic comes from and so i get frustrated when brimstone gets frustrated with her for using wishes kind of flippantly but doesn't explain why to her he just says like oh you shouldn't waste wishes on things like that can you not explain why the cost that comes into using magic that way i feel like she's needlessly left in the dark on this point the price is pain and the gravity of that would have been helpful for her to know so that she could understand why that's significant for her to waste wishes on getting a tattoo removed from her chest 
I wonder her hair blue. I wonder if one of the reasons that he doesn't tell her is because he's worried about her reaction to it. Because when you do think when she, she is, it is finally revealed to her, she's like horrified, right? Mm-hmm. About that that's what, you know, she's been using her, like that's what wishes are. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why he didn't want to tell her was because he didn't want. Like he was trying know. to protect her. I guess. I feel like he could have protected her better by explaining it to her. Yeah. Especially if it was done when she was like younger. But why teeth? I don't know. I looked, so in my version of this book, well, probably in yours, if you got it from Amazon too, she has, the author has like a series of pages from her notebooks and her ideas for where the plot and the story came through and stuff like that. And teeth was one of the early ones teeth equal currency which is a weird i don't well it's like some weird tooth fairy type of situation where you get money for teeth i mean maybe but like what's weird kind of strange to me is that the only time that you need to use like you can use other people's teeth and other animals teeth to get Mm -hmm. wishes which is like if it's coming from pain shouldn't it come from your own pain and why does it have to be like tooth pain why can't it be emotional pain or it doesn't have to be just tooth pain I wonder if that's just an easy way to transmit currency though because Akiva also uses his the own pain and suffering that he has from his shoulder injury to help him manifest the magic that he uses and he's because he has chronic pain which is really messed up if you think about it because he has chronic pain because of that injury he has a source of magic all the time And Brimstone says that basically the Chimera, when they were enslaved by the angels, they were kept in like a pain pit. So their pain was harvested to make the magic. See, and I just, I I guess, I don't know if you've got something in here about a little bit of a plot hole. I just, I am not understanding the translation from pain to teeth. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's like plot hole just versus hole kind of. Yeah. Um, um, or lack also, of information. Like maybe it is just a lack of, like it, it's just not fully uh, delved into in this book. Maybe. I don't know if that'll come up later. Um, no, what's her name? Karu does mention a couple of times these poor girls who it sounds like were being human trafficked who had just a, a an empty mouth and were crying out in pain and having their teeth pulled. And so that is it the loss like did the teeth carry the memory of the pain is that a and then that doesn't line up with the guy who takes teeth from dead bodies the grave digger is ill so i don't know the other thing that i found interesting with the teeth was that if they were decayed or chipped or something like that they were worthless or yeah. worth less too. Like, so when she sorted the teeth out, she was looking for ones that were decayed and pulling them out being like, these aren't usable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I don't understand how it all fits together with the pain and the wishes and then all of that. Yeah. But I did feel really, really bad for the guy who like sold all of his teeth to have all the knowledge 
even though it was his own fault. It made me oh, sad. Yeah. It made I me agree. sad for it was, him. It was, um, that was Razgat and Azil, right? Yeah, I think Razgat was the fallen. He was the fallen angel. Yeah. That um, clung to is whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I felt real bad for him. There was like, I don't know when she was like counting out the like teeth or whatever and she's like at the end he hopefully pointed to the larger pile like hoping that was the I know um, sad. yeah but at the Price same time right I was gonna say at the same time he was warned he was warned uh yeah yeah um I really enjoyed the descriptions of the chimera mm-hmm. and just uh, like I, so Karu, you know, is an art student and she carries her notebook around with her everywhere. And I really liked how she was able to integrate that into both of her worlds. So she would bring her notebook to school with her and people would grab it to see the images of her friends, her chimera friends and family. Yes, uh, but then she would take it with her yes. to Brimstone Shop, and her Chimera family would want pictures of the human, like to see her drawings of the human world too. I liked how she used her notebook and her talents to sort of bridge the gap between the two worlds that she lives in. Yes, and I think it's also interesting. So her friends and sort of like the human, like her human friends, she just says, "Oh yeah, they're real." And her friends just like, oh, ha, 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 brushing it off. Yeah. Makes you wonder. She's so secretive. Yeah. I bet she's not, though. I mean, she's telling the truth. I just don't believe her. She That's says, true. like, if you say any, you can say anything. But if you do, like, your mouth and your facial expressions just mm-hmm. right, people won't believe you or something. It's like, oh, yeah, they're real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like a smirk. And people believe that they're not. Um. Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed the descriptions of, well, I mean, they, it reminded me of some of the monster romances that we read, like Issa is part Naga, and we've got someone who's got like a toucan face, and then we have little Kishmish, and uh, for some reason, I imagined Brimstone as Baphomet, the, um, oh, like the figurehead for the, um, Templars. Um, I imagined him probably because of his name as a lava monster. I'll send you a picture. A lava monster? Yeah. I'll send you a picture. Yeah. Her, so I like the descriptions of the the chimera. I think I thought that was interesting. And then the way that she interacts with Brimstone and the rest of them is really interesting too. So he's basically her father, right? But there's not, it doesn't read like there's a whole lot of nurture there, or maybe it's almost like a reluctant nurturing between them. Um, She works for him and he puts her in dangerous situations and doesn't really treat them like they're dangerous. And I guess knowing what we know about his ability to resurrect her, it makes sense that he would be less concerned about her physical body dying than her soul because he makes a comment about how he's not really concerned about her soul. Her body's just an envelope. And so that 
at the end of the book, when you understand that he can resurrect people, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But also he like grew Karu from a baby. And so that's a lot of infer like effort to put into a creation for you to just be like, ah, if you die, you die. Like, <laughs> what about your investment, my man? Do you want to raise another baby? Seems like you got a lot on your plate, but all right. And then her relationship with the other chimera definitely seems a little bit more nurturing. So um, with Issa and Yasri and I think they were probably more of her nurturers. I found myself getting frustrated with just the lack of information she was given about the people that she lived with, though. I know, especially because she grew up with them. Yeah. And they were supposed to be like her family. Yeah. Like, I get that you're trying to protect her, especially when we find out all the stuff that she went through. But could you maybe give her a little bit more information? Like at one point, I think it's Issa, she scolds her for making it like she talks about how brimstone's job is hard and it's thankless and it's unending and how uh oh shoot karu makes things harder for him it's like okay but she doesn't understand how yeah like you're telling her to do better but she doesn't understand the the impact that she's having right if you could just share some information with her i'm sure that she would try because you're her family right mm-hmm be helpful. So then she meets Akiva. Yeah. And they just fall right in love after yeah. trying to kill each other. Almost instantaneous. Insta love. Yeah. Yep. See, the thing is, is that I actually don't totally mind it if they fall in love really quickly, if it doesn't feel like a short amount of time, you yeah. know? Because, like, when you look at the From Blood and Ash books, they take place in a really short amount of time. And, like, they're in love. They're heartmates. Like, all of this. And it's a really short amount of time. But, like, so much happens. You know, they have a lot of banter. They have back and forth. They had, like, they had, what, one conversation? Yeah. I mean, they had probably two interactions. The first one where he tried to kill her. And then the second one where he found her and was not trying to kill her, but she was threatened and then felt bad for him. So took him back to her apartment and then they got bread, which, you know, carbs can bring people together. So, I guess. I guess. Um, I love a good loaf of bread. So <laughs> I'm going to fall in love over a loaf of bread. I mean, if it's really good, I might, you don't know. <laughs> you all know uh, um but uh, yeah so yes it does and this is where i can see you would get bothered with the um the reincarnation trope because the thing that really because so they're attracted to each other and don't really understand why and karu especially is kind of fighting that feeling but then they get to the bridge and he sees the, the wishbone necklace that she's got around her neck and he ends up with it in his hand somehow and is just like shocked, falls devastated, like, yeah, falls to his knees and like buries his face in her stomach and is like, oh, crap, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so this is his like 
oh gosh, she's reincarnated. This is magical. This is why I love her so much. Right. And so, but she doesn't know that, like, she doesn't get it. She's just having all of these feelings. And so I get like the insta love and that not working and you, or that, I don't know, just not being feasible because it feels, but also like, have you ever had that sensation where it's like your entire being is just resonating with another person? Because that's what I think of in this situation. And I, I haven't, I wouldn't call my, like say that I had been in an insta love situation before, but I have been with someone like the first time I met them. And it was just this moment. And I don't even like the words to describe it are not even good, but I just had a feeling. And so they don't know each other, but like his soul recognizes hers. Which I get. And he does give this whole speech where he says, your soul sings to mine. My soul is yours and it always will be in any world. And it's really sweet. And he says, promise me that you'll remember or something that even though like that, I love you as crew, just as I loved you as like, what does he say? Something about like, remember he loved her as who she is now, as well as who she was in the past. But even when you look at their past relationship, right um they fell in love really quickly too she like bandaged him up and he was like it's true love yeah and then i obsesses over her we see this happening in other books too and we don't have a problem with it like the soulmates heartmates type of thing like even reese like she was my mate my mate my mate and he tried to stay away from her but kept coming towards her like Right, but the, like again, so, there was more of like a push and pull back and forth, and more conversations that they had. So is that is that what makes it different from being a stalker versus being in love? Like they have more interactions. Yes, I think I really do think it has more because I didn't dislike this book, but I think I with like in love books in general, I think it's because they just don't have banter or interaction really. You know, even if it is like one soul singing to another, like, it's just like, okay, we love each other because our souls resonate. Mm -hmm. Cool. But like, can you have a conversation? And well, and it's not just that, I think, because he met her and she showed him kindness that inspired him to change his perspective on the way that Seraphim can interact with the Chimera. And so maybe it's not just that he loved her, it's that she created a paradigm shift for her, for him. Yes. He learned how to use magic and he learned how to speak chimera because he realized that, oh, they're not just brutes that we're here to murder. Like they might actually be kind beings too. Mm -hmm. And if they can be this way, why can't we? Right. Yes. I get him and I can't say her name, like magical, Mm -hmm. right? I get them more than I get like him and uh Carew. yeah right them being together and I get like she saved his life so I get that's kind of like they've got a connection over that he does then become a little uh, obsessed I guess but he does do all of these things fine but especially with like him and Carew, it's like you've had and like <sighs> like they just met yesterday yes like they literally met a day ago and it's I and this you. is probably where the reincarnation thing comes in and becomes problematic for you because they just met yesterday and they have this history in the past life that she has now kind of time warped 
right? We've done the life meld when she breaks the, the wishbone where it's like, oh, this is all of my history. Plus add the 17 years that I've been this person. And that's what makes it hard because it doesn't feel like they've got that past history, but in the present with her as Karu, they don't have, I mean, they, they barely have any interaction with each other. Yeah. They spent one night together. He tried to kill her the first time they met. And then we do the time warp. So it makes it hard to feel genuine in his feelings that he has for her now. Yes. But the other thing is kind of like he had the love at first sight situation when magical saved him the first time. He kind of he has the love at first sight situation with Karu when she tries to stab him back. So I also wonder if I had like known the characters in their first relationship, if I'd be happier about the reincarnation thing, because I always, for whatever reason, Dead Moon's Rising, right? It broke me. And if there was a story that the person that that author wrote, and it ended up being a reincarnation for those two characters, I'd be like, yes, they finally get their happily ever after. Oh my gosh. Thank God. Right? Yeah. I'd be cool with that. So I think there's also like this disconnect to there where it's like, I don't see them necessarily as being like this, these torn lovers getting reunited because I wasn't connected to them before. I don't know. This has now turned into like some weird therapy session about why I don't like reincarnation stories. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. Also, Jack Whitney, please write a story where <laughs> Dead, Moon character, Dead Moon Rising characters get back together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I like I don't know. I just had really weird feelings about Akiva. Like at first I didn't like him. And then she starts talking about his tiger eyes and I'm like, okay, now I have weird feelings and he can fly and I like the wings. All right. But then like this sweet, stupid man is just so sweet and stupid in the flashback. And I don't know how to, because now he's like, like, I mean, in the present day, he's like, Mm, I effed up and I feel really bad. But in the past, he says some sweet things and I'm like, holy crap, this man, mm-hmm. how could she not love him? Like, so breaking the wishbone, the wishbone tie-in, that was a good little, that's how Brimstone was able to save her essence basically. So she could be, become who she is or whatever. But, um, he says like love is an LSO. What's her name? I'm going to steal your quote for a second because what's her name? She's Karu or magical. She says like love is a luxury or something. And he says, love is an element. And I was like, "Ah, okay. And then he says, she asks him if, or he asks her if her parents were in love um, because she doesn't feel like that's like a love matches in the thing for her. And he says, I hope my children's parents love each other um okay sir yes it's really sweet that was really good and then he creates a living shawl out of moths for her 
when Thiago tears the strap on her desk, which is very rude, by the way. What a tacky prick. Um, but he's like, oh, he tore your dress and he makes a dress, like a sleeve out of mobs for her. Yes. That is very sweet. He is precious. And then the moths don't leave. He says, I think the moths are in love. They don't want to leave. And then he says, I know just how they feel. Oh, sir. Yes. He's so very sweet and excellent at flirting. Very sweet. Yeah. Yes. Super good at flirting. I was surprised because he does not get off that, give off that vibe in present day. He's all like hard and serious and broody and then really sad because he done messed up. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was interesting to see kind of that contrast from who he is when he's in love with somebody to the hardened warrior. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. in that scene, Madrigal, they covered her in powdered sugar. Ugh. I noped so hard. So sticky. Immediately. I was like, Oh, that's going to be sticky later. Why would you do Ugh. that? I mean, if you started, bleh, I don't even want to think about it. Cause if you started sweating, like your skin would just be like, no, don't do it. So you want to talk about her best friend? Yeah. Susanna. Right. I want to say Susan, Susanna, but it's not. So she's, I like her. She's, uh, she's got, um, like a good amount of like, uh, comic relief here. Um, but like, so would you have put up with so much secrecy and like, from Kairu if she was your friend like I would be so annoyed if I got constantly stood up or like my friend was constantly leaving me be like I gotta run errands bye I'd be like okay yeah like um what (laughs) I it would I feel like be hard to grow a friendship like that yes I do like seeing their interactions because we get to see Karu and then be kind of normal, right? They talk about art. She comes up with this really cute, um, or not cute. Well, yes. Okay. So she comes up with the uh, puppet idea, right? Mm -hmm. For um, Susanna's final project. And then when they're just at, like, they're eating together and Karu thinks of like butterflies in the stomach in her stomach and how she's imagining them as like actual butterflies and new species and stuff and she draws it and it's just like cute seeing her kind of be normal yeah you know so I think that's one of the reasons why I liked um her best friend getting to see them interact with each other yeah what were your thoughts I she's not very popular and like some of the reviews I read. Oh, really? I found her annoying. Why? I don't know. I liked her. Yeah. I thought she, um, I don't, I don't know what there is to dislike. I thought she was a good friend to her. She took care of her when she was injured, despite her blowing her off repeatedly and never giving her straight answers about anything in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked her. I didn't have negative feelings about her. I loved the puppet idea. I thought that was brilliant. I didn't realize people didn't like her. I liked her. I liked her character. I thought it was nice that Karu had at least one friend who was human and just interested in what's best for her. 
I think it's and so we see the stripe show up in books sometimes where it's like one person thinks they're on the good side but it's actually the bad side both sides think their side is the best side but really they're both garbage mm -hmm. that's kind of the situation we have here it's interesting that um both so we get a little bit of mythology for both of the races in this book so the, the seraphim have their own sort of mythology for why they're at war with the chimera chimera and the chimera have their own mythology involving like the moons and the sun for why they're at war with the chimera or the, the seraphim um it from my perspective it sounds like the seraphim are the people that are in the wrong here oh yeah it sounds like Karu thinks so too because she points out that the seraphim are taking their land basically mm -hmm. to build their cities and they're like no you don't understand that's not what happened she's like that's that's what happened that's what you did yeah you're colonizers yeah, that's right yeah yeah I, I forget which but it's as um what's his name Kur no What's his name? Akiva, I think, is trying to explain things. And it's like, well, they destroyed a city and they burned all of our libraries and our knowledge. And it's like, okay, but you had thousands of them in a slave pit. You were using their pain to create magic. Like, this yeah. justified. Yeah. I love how Brinstone is like, they were so dumb. They kept all of their information in one place. You never yes. <laughs> Uh, thankfully now we have the internet, so we don't have to worry about this happening anymore. That's right. The internet's everywhere, but the library of Alexandria, long lost. Yep. Alas. Had to start all over. <laughs> yeah. Um, this reminds me of an episode of Dr. Who it's called the doctor's doctor's daughter. It is one of David Tennant's episodes. It's actually where he meets his wife. Um, but, his real life wife yeah his real life wife she, who is the daughter of a former doctor mm -hmm. so there you go um but in that episode it's these two races that are warring against each other and they think they've been at war with each other for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries and they can create people in these like boxes like people can just be you take a piece of skin and you make a person basically and so they use some of david Tennant's skin as a doctor to make a person who ends up becoming his daughter and so both sides are at war killing each other and i don't really know why they're just enemies and they always have been and will continue to be right Yeah, we get this like circular history sort of self self fulfilling prophecy going on here, where um, each I guess race mm -hmm. just does what they did before. Right. And my watch is going off. So. And I also think it's interesting, we've seen this in other books too, where angels are just jerks, right? But they're pretty. So everyone thinks they're cool. Yeah. And then you've got the monsters who look like monsters, but are cool. You know? Yeah. So they're the bad guys, right? Those are mm -hmm. your demons. They're the yep. angels. They're pretty. They have wings. So automatically associated with 
Christianity and God and things like that when actually the the seraphim are the one that started all of this and they're the terrible people in the situation and the chimera just trying to keep themselves alive basically mm-hmm. um that's an, so i feel like we've talked about this concept before but both sides are going to think they're right right yeah and so uh Isil, uh, and Razgat are having a conversation with Akiva at one point and he says it is a condition of monsters that they do not perceive themselves as such the dragon you know hunkered in the village devouring maidens heard the townsfolk cry monster and looked behind him I know I really like that me too yeah monster why would they know they're a monster mm-hmm. yeah who me I don't know not me right um i think there was also yeah do monsters make war or does war make monsters and i love this um i guess like it's not a theory i don't know what to call it anyway i want to call it like a thought process but that's not thought right experiment thank you i could not think of the word Cause you see me trying to type it out and I couldn't remember the word. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if that was what you were talking about. But yes. Thought okay. Thought experiment, right. About what is like, what comes first, you know, mm-hmm. war or monsters or monsters or war or superheroes and supervillains or supervillains cause superheroes. Uh, yeah. I love that thought experiment. It's fun. Um, it's one of my favorite ones to think of. And we see it in, Uh, lots of different stories and stuff so yeah it's interesting so the people in this book are definitely like the seraphim are definitely bred for war though Um, the emperor akiva and his friends his siblings their dad he has a harem of women who he uses as like a breeding farm for soldiers because that's how you should treat women right Mm -hmm. and so they're right they're taken from their moms that age five and raised to be soldiers mm-hmm. there's no opportunity to imagine life as anything else or pursuing anything different because that is what they are bred for and when they die he says that he was named akiva because someone else like there was an opening for it so i mean right. he just lots his kids in when someone dies oh let's replace this name's open now let's replace them with that one uh, gross old men i guess <laughs> no, no. warlords Ugh. warlords emperors Ugh. their harems oh. of women go figure <laughs> gross mm-hmm. speaking of um gross warlords uh thiago yes god <laughs> he's awful he's awful mm-hmm. he didn't want magicals sister because she didn't have a human face and she wasn't pure quote unquote pure Mm -hmm. she had been resurrected before she was a revenant and so was he um he had been resurrected and picked out the body that he wanted so that he wouldn't have an animal face any longer he would have the body that he wanted gross i get He just, he automatically assumed that Madrigal would be his because he wanted her. Mm-hmm. The audacity. And everyone assumed that she wanted it too, though. 
Yeah. So, and she resigned herself to it as well. She was like, mm-hmm. well, I guess this is it for me until Akiva shows up and it's like, but you don't love him. And she's like, well, no. Yeah. And he's like, but didn't your parents love each other? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. She just, it never entered her mind that that would be something she could want for herself until Akiva, which is nice and part of why I like him too. Um, it's interesting that she's got this compassion for other people and she's a helper, but she doesn't perceive herself as having any other options. Yeah. I knew she was going to be betrayed by her sister. Oh yeah. Her sister, so jealous. You poor dumb girl. When she, I like, so when Cairo died and she put diamonds and all of it, like to get her to look exactly the way that she was before, but stronger because she thought that's what her sister wanted. And Cairo woke up and still had an animal's head and was so upset and hateful to her. I just knew this was not going to end well. I wonder if she could just build her another body and then kill her and move her soul into that new body. Maybe so. Like, can you do that? Yeah, I don't know. How's this work? Can you just keep trying until you get the the body that you want? I feel I'm getting some like Victor Frankenstein vibes from this. (laughs) Yeah. So Cairo sucked. Yep. Of course. Of course she did. Yep. But because she ended up being a jealous and weak person that ended up working out well for Akiva. So with I loved that. Yes. So Akiva and relation Akiva and uh, Madrigal's relationship is discovered. And that's treason. Obviously, star-crossed lovers can't be happy in this world. And so uh, Akiva is taken and tortured by Thiago and uh, Madrigal is thrown in jail. Brimstone comes to visit her. Mm-hmm. And I love how he's trying to help her and she feels so ashamed. And that, that part was really hard for me to read because she, I don't know, she just values him and his opinion of her so much. And she feels like she's let him down and he's like, no, no, baby, we're on the same side. I want this too. Yes, I know. And he says it and he's like, and for that reason, I should be ashamed of you. Mm-hmm. Uh and oh it's so sweet and he says that um the others know as well and they don't um aren't ashamed either mm-hmm. and so that's the best he can do to coming out and admit it like saying that he's not ashamed because i guess he can't come out and say it yeah right yeah um so that that ends up being really sweet and then from there he gives her some clues on like so this is what you're going to need to do basically like he doesn't come out and say it but she's smart and figures Mm -hmm. it out and so she is beheaded and it's horrible the description of akiva is screaming i know it's heartbreaking and how he's trying to use magic and the ground is trembling from how hard he is trying oh it hurts um but i love how she's like okay i'm dead but i still have work to do Yes. yes yeah so brimstone arranges for cairo to be the one that comes and gives her her last rites 
or whatever, basically, so that her soul can be at peace. And she uses that opportunity to squish her soul inside of Cairo's weak body <laughs> and free Akiva. Yeah, that was, I loved that. I love the cleverness of that. Although I am, and it's like a stupid thing to think. It was like, if I'm ever in one of those situations, like, why would I be? But with somebody giving me like veiled clues, I would totally not, I feel like I would just completely not get it and end up dead. Probably so. I'm probably real. I mean, yeah, I feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, the panic probably yeah just being terrified of being beheaded in a couple of hours yeah mm -hmm. so. um so we come out of the time warp and Carew is like oh this is what happened mm -hmm. but she's still very like happy to see Akiva super in love with him she's like hey look we did it like yay um and Akiva's like oh no 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 um so he like killed her family basically Brimstone mm -hmm. Issa Yasri Twiga Kishmish all super dead and he's like i i didn't i didn't know um and that was just real sad <laughs> i didn't want them to be dead for real yeah i know but yeah they're dead dead they're dead dead and that's that's pretty sad mm -hmm. and so Karu's like, okay, um, well, you go do you, and I'm going to go get this fallen angel, and we're going to go through a pocket in the sky. And that's it. Mm -hmm. I do wonder what this means for the rest of the Chimera. So Brimstone says, uh, when he's confronting her in jail, like this is going to have to end. There's no way that we're going to win this war. That's how they're staying afloat is that the Chimera are able to be resurrected by Brimstone. Mm -hmm. Well, Brimstone's dead now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess that the resurrection is not a thing that can happen anymore. Or, I'm so sorry, or she's going to become yeah that yeah. seems like i read the i read the um thing for the next book and yeah it sounds like she's gonna be are the you new... giving out spoilers for the next book no it was in the description of the next book oh, okay. how is that spoilers well i don't know i haven't read the description of the next book so i don't know yeah okay so yeah so then karu becomes the next resurrectionist i guess which seems like a thankless job, honestly. If I had to revive people and work as hard as Brimstone did, you can bet people would end up with some like noses where their crotch is supposed to be. <laughs> mm. 
some real weird looking creatures. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what you wanted. Sorry. You were a jerk to me in my last life. When you had my <laughs> head cut off. So turns out you don't get what you want this time. Mm-hmm. Oh, were you one of the people that were jeering at me when my head was cut off? Hmm. Well, I guess we'll see what we get. Mm. <laughs> oh, you were the one that outed me and resulted in my head being cut off. Um, looks like you're getting dick fingers. <laughs> uh, that's a great, great imagery there. <laughs> Although yeah. somebody might be into that. That's probably some monster story somewhere. Yo. Gross. Big fingers. Gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the romance in this book is kind of minimal. Right. There's def- There's no spice. It's definitely mm-hmm. like a, they, they did it at some point, but we are not getting any descriptors for it, mm-hmm. which is a YA book. So to be expected. However... There is a really good kissing scene on page 304. And I really appreciate when an author can write a good kissing scene where it makes me feel like I'm in the scene too. They create, they create the chemistry, like the vibes are there. The feelings are strong. Little things like that can be just as exciting to me as full on penetration when they're written well. Yes, I loved that scene. She's like, I feel so bad because he's, I'm sure he wants to take it further, but he's like, ah, she has to break the wishbone. And this is like, so he pulls away, but she's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a good, it was a good scene. Yeah. So we don't have any actual spice, but we've got a little bit, we've got a little bit of romance in there. And the Mm -hmm. little bit that we have was really good. Very enjoyable, enjoyable. Yes. Mm, is there anything else that we want to say about this book? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, then let's talk about our favorite quotes. Okay. Okay. So hope is a really big theme in this book that comes up I don't know, just a ton of times. And this is not the first time we've seen this. My mind always goes to the fever series with Karen Marie Moaning. Baron says this to uh, Mac a lot. Um, hope saves, fear kills. I think is this is the way that it goes. Yeah. And well, um, Kyra's name also is literally yeah. hope. Hope, yeah. yes. Um, and there is so much, like not just hope for, uh, like hope for a different world, right? Mm-hmm. Hope for her, but hope for a different existence for these two races who are continuously fighting. And so I like this quote, uh, which is hope comes from within you and wishes are just magic. Wishes are false. Hope is true. Hope makes its own magic. It's a good quote. Yeah. Um, well, you stole my love quote. Yeah, uh, it fit well where we were talking. It did. It did. So fair enough. But I also thankfully had a backup quote. <laughs> and mine is also about hope. So 
I have hope can be a powerful force. Maybe there's no actual magic in it, but when you know what you hope for most and hold it like a light within you, you can make things happen almost like magic. So, yeah, I like that too. I like, so we've talked about ways that we pull in just like the regular human magic, mm-hmm. right? We don't, we don't have those abilities. It's part of why we enjoy fantasy so much, but I mean, hope is something that from this perspective is a way that you can manifest magic without having magic. And I like that. Yes. <clears throat> well then that wraps up our coverage of daughter and smoke of smoke and bone by Lainey Taylor. Join us next week. We'll cover part two in this trilogy, which is days of blood and starlight by Lainey Taylor. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.